Hi, this is Margie Spence. Welcome to Consume Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message titled, A Place Called There. For any further information on the ministries of Consumed Church, you can check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. quiet in here. (laughs) The goodness of God is running you down. I'm just saying, John and Trina have actually just brought such a vibrant word that's fitting right into the message. And I want to start out, it was back in the early 90s, that Sam and I were at a minister's conference up in Denver. It was the last night of the conference, and the Lord gave me a word, and the word, Trina, was about there's getting to be a change of seasons. And winter is setting in, and what appears dead is not really dead but it will feel like it, and it will look like it. And then the Lord said, don't give up and hold on, because spring is coming, and there is life, and what appeared to be dead is not dead, but it is only dormant. The next morning on the way to, this was in the fall, the next morning on the way to the airport, they had an unexpected blizzard hit. And I knew what the Lord was saying. We got home and the bottom fell out and I got blasted. And you know, you get in these dark times and it, it's, you can't find God, you can't see God, you know he's there. And as the Lord was, I have not thought of this prophetic word in decades, even of this situation. But I feel the Lord is saying, even if, not even if, it is, for one or more, he said, I'm going after him. And this day, I'm giving you hope. One of the scriptures that the Lord brought, Isaiah 43, 1, and said, Now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. What the Lord spoke to me before I ever had this prior prior prophecy to bring, he said, it's a new season. It is a new season. He said, things are changing. And what I saw, I saw the Lord is beginning to stir the waters of change. And even if it may not have been dead, there's times that things can become stagnant. 
and he said, I'm stirring the waters and I'm beginning to move and I am beginning to bring life where there appeared to be death. And he said, God is on the move. And this is the scripture, Isaiah. It's almost like this urgency of, I want you to get this. And the Lord is saying in Isaiah 43, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Now it springs forth. And this is so interesting. He said, behold, behold means see, see. And the Lord is saying, I want you to begin to see differently. He said, you're going to have to let go of what you're in and what you see and apprehend what I see for you. And as you do that, it will draw that to you. But he said, behold, behold, shift your vision off your old, shift your vision off the past, shift your vision off the problem. I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I will even make a river in the wilderness, a road in the wilderness, and of rivers in the desert. So what the Lord is wanting to do, the Lord is wanting to take you to a place called there. You're going where? We're going there. So we're going to go, and I'm going to walk you through a story. When we go into 1 Kings 16, we find out that there is a king called Ahab who is reigning over Israel. He married his little sweetheart Jezebel, and now they were quite a pair. And they began to worship Baal and set up wooden altars. And it says that Ahab provoked the Lord more than any king of Israel. So then in 1 Kings 17, we have Elijah coming on the scene. And brave Elijah jumps in. He's the Tishbite. And he says to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these days except at my word. And that was a pretty bold statement. So after he said that, then the Lord came to Elijah, and he said, Elijah, it's time to get out of Dodge. So he came with instructions, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to go back over it. And he said, then the word of the Lord came to him in verse 2. Verse 3, get away from here. Everybody said here. And turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Everybody say, there. Everybody say, there. there. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook of Cherith, which flowed into the Jordan. Then the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And then it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain on the land. So what we see, the Lord comes, and he said, My timing, I'm giving you instructions, Elijah. 
that it's time to move. Everybody say, time to move. And so what he's doing, the Lord likes to give instructions. And sometimes he's saying, I just need you to listen. He said, I want you to get away from here, and it will be that you shall drink from the book, brook. He said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, here's the couple of points that I want to make. Have you ever thought about if the Lord came to you and said, well, I know you're in lack, so I'm going to have the birds come feed you? I, mean, I try to put myself in their place, and I try to think about what would that all look like? I mean, what are you thinking? You know, you're going to have birds bringing you grasshoppers and worms or, you know, what, is that, what does that look like? And he really didn't know. He didn't really know until he got there. That's just one of my thoughts. I, like I said, I try to put myself in their places. So here's what happened. The Lord said, I have commanded. He did not say, I will command. He didn't say, I plan to command. He didn't say, I'm going to command. He said, I have commanded. God made the provision before Elijah even knew he was going. And it was at a place called there. So here's what we're going to see. <laughs> the first thing, he got instruction, which seems simple, and we always think, well, they automatically follow instruction, but guys, I'm telling you, when God gives instruction, faith without works is dead. And sometimes it might be just small steps. We may not start out in big steps. We might start out in small steps. But what I wanted you to see here, our being obedient, now this is going to rock some worlds and kick some cake, sacred cows over me. <laughs> but here I go, John. We don't do things... And even in our obedience is not what moves God. Oh, <laughs> y'all got real quiet. Guys, God has already moved. Provision has already been made. All the Lord is wanting to do is to align us that we can walk into that provision because he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. And when we think our doing and our obedience is twisting God's arm, is when is it enough? How much have I done? Is everything? When do we get to a point that we've done enough to earn God's blessings? I'm telling you, guys, God is so good all the time. <laughs> I'm really asking the Lord, because I don't care about this being a great and good message, and I'm certainly not a great messenger but I'm so asking that the Lord open your hearts 
and that blinders are coming off and that we're coming out of the box. And guys, we so limit God with our thinking. We so limit God in who and seeing who he is and what he wants to do for us. When we sing about the goodness of God, we have not even touched the tip of the iceberg of the goodness that God wants to run you down with. So what we see is provision was made. (laughs) The Lord did not send provision to where Elijah was. He sent provision to where he was going. So this would be, how many like football? Anybody football fans? All right, John, you're a coach. And you've got this awesome quarterback and this really good receiver, and you're going for the game win, you're going for a touchdown. Where do you have the quarterback throw the ball to the receiver? Does he throw it to where he is where you start out? Or does he throw it to where he is going? Same principle. It's a place called there, right? All right, even, now this is another one that might be a little bit uh, different. Even if Elijah had not gone there, his disobedience wouldn't have stopped God's faithfulness. He wouldn't have received his provision because it was over there. But God was still faithful. I think sometimes we don't realize how we have intertwined our works with his goodness. And God is wanting to untwist and untangle these things of where we're going to begin to see his goodness. And guys, that we serve him not out of trying to get God to do something, but out of our love and our passion because of his goodness toward us. It's not to be out of obligation. It's not to be out of because we feel like we have to or God won't do something for us. But it's so out of his heart that he wants your love to realize his love is so unconditional. And we want to reciprocate the same unconditional love back to him. All right, so we're moving on. (laughs) We're still going there. So the brook has dried up. Has there ever come times, you know, that you feel like you're there and you're in the will of God? I mean, you you feel good about that, but things just begin to dry up. Now, sometimes that drying up can be, it's time to move on, like Elijah, right? And sometimes it's just kind of going through a dry season. But the thing that we need to realize this is where we need to begin to constantly listen to the voice of our Father. You see, God doesn't dump out our whole destiny and all of his plans for us at one time. But we move a step 
at a time. And as we move into this one step, and guys, he's just aligning us to move forward and, and right straight into what he's called us into. But it's not all out there for us to know at one time. And as we begin to walk, we seek God. You can't seek God once, hear his voice once, take a step once, and stop listening. I, the thing, I, I've got so much going on the inside of me, but I'm telling you, God is moving. There's some moving going on, and he's wanting to do some moving in the hearts and the lives of each one of you. This message is a passion on the inside of my heart. And I know it's going to be different degrees and different ways that this is going to manifest in your lives. But I'm telling you, if you will open up your heart today, life is going to change. And the first way it's going to change is you're going to begin to see some things differently than you've ever seen them before. And I am asking God to unmask where the lies have been that have kept us from moving into the fullness of him. God moves in steps. And that place called there changes. One of my favorite scriptures in Psalm 37, 23. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, these are such simple, neat scriptures. But I'm telling you, they are, they are powerful. And in the Amplified, it says, the steps of a good man. How many here are good men? Oh, come on now. Are, are the rest bad men? <laughs> come on now. <laughs> the steps of a good man are directed... And established by the Lord, when he, God, delights in his ways. And do you know what God is doing? He, God, is busying himself with our every step. Every footstep that you make, every turn that you make, God is busying himself. Guys, he has gone, and, and we all know in Ephesians 2.10 where it talks about where his handiwork recreated in Christ Jesus, born and do, that we can take those paths that he prepared ahead of time. And then it says living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God has already gone before us and prepared the way. We're getting into alignment. Okay. So transition. Things aren't to always remain the, remain the same. And one of the things I'm wanting to get across today, I really feel like that God is beginning to stir. He's saying it's a new season. What does a new season look like? What does new life look like? Guys, we get into such a comfort zone. We get into such a, a place of you know, sometimes change can be uncomfortable. It's really easy to stay the same. If there's anything in my life, I don't live a life of regrets. We could all live a life of regrets. But if there's anything that I would do differently, I would really live my life with purpose and intentionality. Because I think of where I could have been had I have done that when we first came to the Lord 40-something years ago. And so I have made a change. I'm living more intentional now than I have ever lived in my life. <laughs> so if I can do it, it's never too late, right? Just a little bit of history, and I've, I've told these stories before. 
but I want to hit on them. When I say that God only will give us a little bit at a time, and then as we're faithful in that, then he'll move us forward. But sometimes those little things can seem so little and so irrelevant in our lives. And I know for me, as my life was a little bit different than a lot of people, things just didn't dry up and go away in order that I had to change and shift into something else or there wasn't a bad situation. For me, it was more of I, um, it was just a time to transition. And Sam and I were pastoring the church, and when we released the church, but before I even did that, when we were in the church, I got a phone call from one of our ladies, and that she was pregnant and wanted to have a home birth. And this is when there was hardly any midwives. This is way go back in the beginning of time, Donna Wright. (laughs) This is way back there. And wanted me to come to her home birth. And I thought, we were pastors, so I thought, well, that was the right thing to do. I never did know what a home birth it was, actually. That one phone call and me following up and going to that birth and the midwife there said, Margie, why don't you consider coming and apprenticing with me at my birth center? Now, I would probably have never seen her again. I didn't know her, didn't know anything about her. And I prayed about it. That one divine appointment changed the whole trajectory of my life for the next 20 years. And I stepped in to a place called there. Then I was a midwife. And as time went on, while I was a midwife, when my mom died, she was kind of the center of of all of my family. And there just began to be some issues, and the family all kind of just spread and disconnected and isolated. So we went some years before I saw or heard anything from my brother or my sister one day, and I tried to reach out, and then we all had children, and we were busy, and so that wasn't the center focal point to get back together. One day, the Lord put it on my heart so strongly to call my brother, and I called him, and this time, he said, Margie, why don't you come out and see my horses where he had them boarded at that time? And he said, why don't you come out and see him? That one phone call, I went, rode horses with him that day. Now, we had gotten rid of all of our horses, and when our kids got into all the sports, and so that was totally out of my life. That had been my passion for years. And then he said, there's a horse show next week where they're having ranch sorting, which I'd never heard of. And he said, why don't you come? I'll let you ride one of my horses. So the next week, I went up to Boyd, rode one of his horses in the competition, and I was hooked. Through one phone call, my family was reconciled. Even my brother, my sister, all of our family came back together. And the Lord moved me as midwifery began to, like I I told Donna, I thought I'd do it the rest of my life. But all of a sudden, 
my heart began to change, and I knew it was a new season. Through that, I stepped over into my passion and my dreams with horses, and through that, the Lord birthed cowboy churches and then being on a circuit of holding Sunday services at all the shows that we went to. And I lived my dreams. Through one phone call that could have seemed so insignificant. And so that's why I'm saying, guys, don't take things lightly. Let's begin to move when God says move. It may not be the great, big, massive things that take you to where you're going to go. But keep your ears on. God is doing some things right now, and I'm kind of bouncing around. And I told John this week, God is going after the one. If there's one person here that that spoke to, concerning the change of seasons and being in a winter and no matter what you're seeing begin to see differently and begin to see spring and begin to see life if there is one person here or one online it's worth it all because I see God going after the one for the past eight days we have had somebody calling us and I'm talking about out of the blue not church not showing up at our door yesterday to buy something off a marketplace that turned into full-blown ministry. God's going after the one. God's going after the multitude. But what we don't see if he's going after the multitude and all the ones are out here, if we're not the one doing it, who is, right? And the best part is we've got the answers. We have life to give. All right, so I stepped into and it, to a whole new world, and I stepped into my dreams now through things that seem so insignificant. I speak over you this morning that God is fine-tuning your ears to hear louder than you've ever heard before. He's opening your eyes to see things that you've never seen before. I'm asking this. I'm asking the Lord this morning to open the eyes of your heart that you're going to have some fresh revelation of who God is and who God wants to be in your life. All right, so we're going to move on with Elijah. He's still on a trip. So we're going to go now to First um, Kings 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Jerophath, which belonged to Sodom, and dwell. Everybody say, There. Say, There. For I have commanded. Isn't it interesting? He wasn't going to command. He has already commanded before he ever gave the instruction for a widow Everybody say there, to provide for you. So he arose and went to Jerophath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was, everybody say there, gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I'm going to stop there a moment. One of the things that I didn't comment on, and the first time that God sent him to the brook, 
Elijah was going for his provision, right? So this time when he is going, and the provision that he had was there, but it was provision of just enough. It wasn't a provision of abundance, and it was provision just for him. Now he's giving him instruction to go to another place, another place called there. He has already commanded, already commanded, past tense, the widow to provide for him. So Elijah thinks he's going for provision again, right? He got instruction, he followed instruction. He arose and went to Jerapheth, and when he entered into the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. So she's gathering sticks, and he asked her to go get water, and so she's obedient. She's heading off to get water, and then he says, oh, wait. He said, uh, please bring me. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And I thought about this little lady, and I thought about how her heart must have dropped to her toes when he asked for that. I can imagine the fear that gripped her heart when he was asking for her last bread. But what God was doing, the moment that he said, bring me bread, a handful, what the Lord was doing, the Lord stepped into her lack. When the Lord stepped into her lack, you know, so many times when people are in need, we're so quick to want to meet that need, you know, and just pour into them, whatever you need, whatever you need. And the Lord said, no. He said, in this situation and in many situations, the Lord wanted her to be a participant and to release her faith in the miracle that God was going to perform. Now, when I hear <laughs> so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. How sad is that? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> how many of you would have taken her last handful of flour? You know, that was, like a, that was like a huge step of faith. And how many would give it up? And then Elijah goes on and says, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make a small cake from it first. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The men of flour shall not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did. Everybody say, went and did. To the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke over Elijah.
So as the Lord stepped into her lack, <laughs> she got to participate in the miracle. Now here's what I want to ask you, and I'm going to wind down. This isn't a long one like last time. What I want to ask you is, where is your place called there? You know, this is just something for you to think about here. And many of you may feel like you're in that place called there, but guys, I'm telling you, God is wanting to expand. Even if you, you know, sometimes we just don't ask the questions. And even if you feel like, God, I'm in that sweet spot, I, I believe that I'm in that place called there, how about saying, God, how do you want to expand the tent? What can I do differently to be intentional to grow in this place that you have given me? God does not want us to be the same this year that we was last year or we're going to be next year. It's a time of growth. <laughs> now think about this. What if Elijah, Elijah had not obeyed? Well, in the first place, he might have starved, but that probably wasn't going to happen. But when he went to the widow, if he had not gone to her, she and her son could have died of starvation. Plus, not long after this, her son died, and she called upon Elijah to come, and Elijah raised him from the dead. See, we never know what divine purposes are connected and sometimes I think it's like dominoes. We get stepping into the flow of the Spirit of God, and things begin to multiply. And that's why once we can get started, just get started to begin to reach out and begin to believe for something different, begin to grow in some areas that we haven't grown. And it's like God is calling us to step out into the deep. He is truly calling us to step out into some new places. This is just a big encouragement for you to do that. So here is my question to you. This is a good time. <laughs> Where is your place called there? The place where your provision resides. Along with your opportunities for giftings and callings to change the world. And even generations. I want you to think about this. What if you don't show up? What if you don't show up? Who is out there that is waiting on you? I'll guarantee you, when we talk about that we're called to change generations, 
that we're called to be world changers. This isn't just little flowery words of speech. We truly, one person can change the destiny of multitudes. And you never know when that encounter is. The Lord is, Johnny's wanting people so to see their value that you really do make a difference. It's really on the inside of you to make a difference. And if we can just begin to step into that place called there, begin to seek God with all of our heart and his goodness. And the next, if you think, well, God, I don't know. I don't even feel like I fit in that category. I don't feel like I'm there right now. The Lord is saying, then what's in your hand? You know, sometimes we want people to bail us out of situations, and it could be the Lord's wanting you to partner with a miracle. The Lord is saying, what is in your hand? So what could that look like? You know, so many times it turns so inward that we can't see what's on the inside of us. And the Lord says, quit looking inward and begin to look outward at what you do have. (laughs) And this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be starving and, you know, in total lack. It can be things could just kind of seem to be dry and, and things aren't moving and it's like, The Lord is saying, what is in your hand? You know, it can be things that seem so insignificant. I think of Moses. When the Lord asked Moses, he said, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. Well, actually, it's just a stick, right? (laughs) And the Lord told Moses, he said, cast the stick down. Well, the rod. And it became a serpent. And then he had to pick it up by the tail, and it became a rod again. With that rod, he delivered the children of Israel out of from Pharaoh. He parted the Red Sea. He delivered the children of Israel from the Amalekites, and he brought water from a rock with a stick. What's in your hand? How about the little boy with the five loaves and the two fishes? How significant do you think that looked to the disciples? Because sometimes all we see is the need. And we can't see that we have provision. The little boy with five loaves and two fishes had a miracle in his hand. I'm telling you. As small and as insignificant as something might seem, God can take something, and when he blesses it, it can feed the 5,000 plus women and children. So the Lord is saying, no matter how small, and if you feel like you don't have anything to work with, No giftings, no talents. You know, so many times we can see that in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. 
And the Lord said, if you can't see it in yourself, ask him what's in your heart that you can give him. It doesn't take much for God to do a lot. So how many here can identify, and let's be honest, because I'm really asking that God is going to move and do something. When you leave here, you're not leaving this with, with us. You're taking this with you. Because God wants to make a difference, and I'm really asking you to go and to meditate on this and to take notes. But how many here identify with feeling like, I don't know that I'm at that place called there? Can anybody identify with that? Does everybody feel there? Everybody feels like they're there. Anybody that doesn't feel like they're there? (laughs) That there's more? All right, I want you to pray with me. We're going to ask the Lord to open the floodgates of his wisdom and revelation to take us into that place called there. Why doesn't everybody just join in? Then we're going to pray over what's in your hands, so we're not leaving anybody out, right? So pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I am learning of your goodness. And it is running me down. I open my heart and I open my mind to my place called there. At that place where there's provision, but also, Father, where I make a difference for the provision of others. I tune my ears to hear. And I will be promptly obedient to move as you say move. And I confess with my mouth that I will change history. And generations will be touched because I am going to my place called there. In Jesus' name. All right, now, anybody feel like they're what's in their hand and they're trying to figure that out? I want you to take a minute to think and see if God brings anything to light of, oh, okay, we're going to go a little deeper. This doesn't have to be a need like a dire need. But I believe that the Lord is doing a stirring that he wants people to begin to be givers. And I can say financially, I can say materially, I can say of their time, their talents, or whatever. We have a lot of things in our hand that we can begin to give. So we're going to kind of make this an all-inclusive on this. So let's ask the Lord... What's in our hand? What's in my heart that I can make a difference that may seem so insignificant? But, Father, as I give it to you, that you can bless 
and bring a miracle. If he brings anything to mind, hold on to it. Then we're going to release it. So I want you to repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name. I give you what is in my hand. Be it my talent. My resources. My time. My giftings. My calling. Father, it seems so insignificant. But with your blessing on it, Father, you can bring forth a miracle. And Father, I release what is in my hand. Let's release it and let's give it to him. Father, we release it and we give it to you in Jesus' name. With great expectation in our heart. With great expectation in our heart that God is going to take this He's going to multiply it. God, that we're going to see miracles. I I thank you that there's an expanding going on. It's just like things are growing. Things are beginning to bring forth life. Lord, we praise you and we thank you that what we have given to you has been natural. And you are slapping the supernatural on our natural. And Father, that we are truly expecting to see the fruit in Jesus name amen guys I encourage you have an expectant heart I think a lot of times we pray an expectant heart is a heart of faith it's one who's really believing what you prayed and what you're doing is going to manifest. So I, I just want to encourage you, have an expectancy of what God is going to do. Don't fear disappointment. Don't fear God not doing something. Just put it out there. Let's trust him and move to a new place. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.